الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن نبينا وحبيبنا محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ألف لاميم أحسب الناس أن يتركوا أن يقولوا آمنا وهم لا يفتنون وقد قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم إن عظم الجزاء مع عظم البلاء صدق الله العظيم وصدق رسوله النبي الكريم ونحن على ذلك لمن الشاهدين والشاكرين والحمد لله رب العالمين famous respected brothers elders and friends undoubtedly it is an accepted fact and an irrefutable reality that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created us in this world as humans as mortals and therefore naturally at times we become emotionally overwhelmed our hearts become shattered due to severe grief intense sorrow to the extent that some become a victim of anxiety or depression. But what we all need to remember is this, whatever conditions come upon us, whether individually, collectively, locally, globally, this is nothing but the cycle of life, the system of this world, through which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala checks the level of our iman. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala examines the sincerity of our faith towards Him. That in the face of such difficult conditions and challenges, will we remain steadfast upon His deen, upon His commandments? Or will we lose all hope and courage? The opening verse I've recited, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala very clearly, very explicitly states, أَحَسِبَ النَّاسُ أَن يُتْرَكُوا أَن يَقُولُوا آمَنَّا وَهُمْ لَا يُفْتَنُونَ does man think it is sufficient to proclaim his iman and announce his faith to the world? Yet he has not been tested by his creator subhanahu wa ta'ala. Rather we will test him in this world. Whether it's through loss of wealth or loss of life. Whether it's through fear or hunger and starvation. Allah then commands us, give glad tidings. To all those who exercise patience, all those who endure the difficult conditions with tolerance, forbearance. Allah further elaborates, who are such people? When afflicted with any difficulty, with any hardship, whether minor or major, whether big or small, what is the immediate reaction? Inna lillah wa inna ilayhi raji'oon. That we belong entirely to Allah. We shall return to Allah alone. 
This word is not our final abode. A believer, he prepares for the year after. This world is a place where we have just come for a short while and we're passing through. أُولَٰئِكَ عَلَيْهِمْ صَلَوَاتٌ مِّن رَبِّهِمْ وَرَحْمَةٌ Allah Rabbul Izzah further states, Such men have indeed earned the special mercy of their Rabb. And they are the men of guidance and righteousness. A very great prominent Sahabi of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam by the name of Khabbab bin Arat radiallahu anirates. And this lengthy narration appears in Sahih al-Bukhari. He says, in the early days of Islam, we the poor, feeble, weak, muhajireen of Makkah, Mukarrama, we were brutally tortured, persecuted on the hands of the disbelievers. A point had come in our life. We could not bear and tolerate the torture and persecution any longer. Verbally abused, physically abused. So we waited for an opportunity to present our condition and put forward our complaint to the paragon of Allah's creation. One day we see him taking rest in the shade of the holy Kaaba. We thought to ourselves an ideal opportunity. Let's we go and put forward our complaint. So we gather around him. And with a cry in our voice, we address the Nabi of Allah. Ala Allah lana. O Messenger of Allah, you are indeed the paragon of Allah's creation. The leader of humanity. If you have to raise your hands and ask Allah, your supplication will never be rejected in the court of Allah. O Messenger of Allah, has the time not come for you now to raise your hands? Beg and beseech Allah to bless us with His supreme, divine, infinite mercy. Has the time not come for you to raise your hands and draw the unseen help of your Creator? Khabbab bin Arat radiallahu says, as soon as we put forward this complaint, we notice his face had changed color. He got up from his position and he began to narrate to us incident after incident, trying to console, pacify his companions. Oh my beloved Sahaba, the people of the past had to undergo more difficult conditions. A person would be taken, a pit would be dug, he would be then thrown into that pit and then he would be sawed into half by Allah that did not deter and shake them from the Iman. Perhaps you are being too hasty. Allah's mercy and help will descend. What does Allah Rabbul Izzah tell us in the Quran? Allah gives us the formula. Unseen divine mercy and help. Seek Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's divine assistance through sabr and salah. When you exercise patience, you engage in salah, and you beg and beseech Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then that will be your way of earning the special mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The hadith I've quoted at the beginning, hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, reported by Imam Tirmidhi rahimahullah, إِنَّ عِظَمَ الْجَزَاء مَعَ عِظَمِ الْبَلَاءِ The Nabi of Allah very clearly, unequivocally states, the system of Allah is such, the greater your test in this world, the greater your reward in the year after. The more difficult conditions you have to undergo in this world, the higher your stages in Jannah. The closer you are to your Creator subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَإِنَّ اللَّهَ إِذَا أَحَبَّ قَوْمًا ابْتَلَاهُمْ And then the Nabi of Allah says, Allah's divine system is such, when Allah loves a certain person, Allah will put him through some difficulty. When Allah loves a certain nation, Allah loves a group of people, Allah will put them through some test and trial. Why is this so? In one narration of Sunan Abi Dawood, the Nabi of Allah explains, 
When Allah has destined for you a very high, lofty position in Jannah, and Allah wants you to reach that high, lofty maqam He has will for you in Jannah, but your actions are incomplete, your actions are not righteous and noble, your actions are not perfect, and therefore you are unable to reach that high, lofty position through your actions. So Allah puts you through some tests in this world. And then Nabi Ali Salam said, Allah will give you the ability to exercise patience. Allah will give you the ability to exercise sabr. And through your patience, you will rise and ascend. And you will go higher and higher and higher. Until you are able to reach that high lofty position in Jannah. Therefore, any person in pain, discomfort, agony, distress, he should never feel, even for a split second, that he is hated or abhorred or despised by his creator. Rather, inna Allah idha habba qawman ibtalahum. When a person becomes closer to Allah and his difficulty is a means of him gaining closeness with his creator, this difficulty that he is undergoing is a mercy from Allah. It brings him closer to Allah. It is giving him a higher stage in Jannah. That person who is in pain, difficulty, he should never feel that he is being abandoned or he has been neglected by his creator subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah wants us to go into sujood, put our heads before him in prostration, beg and beseech for his special mercy, shed those tears, express our humility, show our humbleness, our weakness. Ya Allah, we are the most useless, helpless. You are the king of all kings. You are the solution to all our problems. And this is a means of coming closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is why we find the greatest of the entire creation, the paragon of Allah's entire creation, our beloved master, beloved messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, how much of difficulties he had to undergo in his life. Udhitu fillah, fillah. No person had to endure more difficulty, more hardship than the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Ulama and scholars elaborate. A person who is in distress, in pain, and perhaps he cannot sleep at night. And every time he is so consumed and absorbed in his worry, that he is restless, anxious, turning from side to side. Why? Perhaps he was retrenched from his workplace, fired from his job, unemployed. He doesn't know how to prepare or arrange the next meal for his family. He should console himself by studying the Mubarak Sirat, the beautiful life of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Our mother Aisha radiallahu anha states that at times you would sight the moon of the first month, then the second month, then the third month. By Allah, not even one pot of food cooked in the home of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That person who is in pain, in grief, perhaps he has lost someone who was very close and dear to him. And every time he has a flashback of the good memories, and the wonderful days he had with this person in his company. And he brings tears to his eyes. At times when he goes to sleep, he has a dream of this person. He wakes up hoping that this was the reality. He cannot express his grief, his sorrow. At times he feels that there's no need to live anymore in this world. He should console himself by remembering Muhammad bin Abdullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, Born in this world as an orphan. He came in this world without a father. At the age of six, he lost his beloved mother, Ummu Ayman Baraka radiallahu anha, who was the servant of the mother of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, narrates that she can vividly remember that time 
when this young innocent child Muhammad bin Abdullah salam, at the age of six in a town called Abwa having no father and now he's running behind the janazah of his mother and he's calling out to his mother Wa umma, wa umma Oh my mother, where are you leaving me and going away? You knew very well I had no, no father Why are you leaving me? Sahaba radiallahu anhum report once we were traveling between Makkah and Medina and we passed by the town called Abwa in which his beloved mother was buried. Nabi salam passed by the town Abwa and he excused himself. فَاسْتَأْذَنَ He went to the grave of his mother. فَبَكَى وَبَكَى وَأَبْكَى مَنْ حَوْلَ And we looked and observed from a distance and we watched him go closer to the grave of his mother. And then we began to cry and sob. One narration states, فَمَا رُؤِيَ بَارْكِيًا أَكْثَرَ مِنْ يَوْمَ إِذِنْ One Sahabi states, I never saw him cry more than this ever before. One narration Sahaba say, Fabaka, looking at him cry, we could not hold our tears, we began to cry with him. Look at the difficult condition. At the age of six, he lost his mother. At the age of eight, he lost his grandfather. And after he was crowned with Nubuwa, and blessed with prophethood, he then had to see his beloved wife Khadija passing away. His uncle Abu Talib, who was of great support for him, he too had left this world. And historians write, he had lost six of his children during his lifetime. Difficulty after difficulty. That person who is in pain, who is in grief, who is in sorrow. Perhaps his innocent daughter has come back home, broken marriage, for nothing wrong on her side. He too should console himself by remembering Muhammad wasallam had to see two of his daughters return home for no sin on their side. Therefore, in the life of Rasulullah and his illustrious companions radiallahu anhum, there's an example for us in every difficulty we're going through. The reason for this, in Allah idha habba qawman ibtalahum, when Allah loves a certain person, Allah will put him through some tests and difficulties. This is a means of coming closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Nabi of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa once went to visit a person who was ill. And upon entering his house, he began to pacify and console him. La ba's, la ba's, tahoor insha'Allah. There's no need for you to panic. There's no need for you to become anxious. This illness is a means of your purification with the permission of Allah. Therefore, whatever conditions we're going through, whether minor or major, whether great or small, Nabi salam tells us that no musibah is minor. Nothing is considered to be minor. To the extent that every single musibah that comes upon a believer, no matter what is it, it is a means of his sins being erased, a means of his rewards being increased, his stages in Jannah elevated for him. To the extent that Nabi salam gives an example, a person puts an item in his pocket and then he puts his hand to pick up or collect that item and he cannot find it in this pocket and he goes into a state of excitement and panic and after a few seconds he realizes it's in his other pocket. That few seconds of panic and excitement, that too is considered as a musibah upon a believer through which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala erases his sins, raises his ranks, forgives all his evil deeds, increases his rewards. And then Nabi alayhi salam teaches us, when any person is afflicted with any difficulty, what he should do? He should anticipate the reward of his difficulty. Ask Allah to reward him for whatever hardship he's going through. And Nabi alayhi salam gives us a dua. Allahumma jurni fi musibati. 
اللهم اجرني في مصيبتي واخلف لي خيرا من واخلف لي خيرا من والله reward me for the difficulty i'm encountering والله grant me something better in return ام سلمه رضي الله عنها نريد when her husband abu salama had passed away she says i was extremely saddened to see the death of my beloved husband and i was extremely grieved but i recited this dua with firm conviction but the thought crossed my mind that who could be a better man than abu salama he was an amazing person remarkable outstanding qualities and after i had completed my idda period i received the proposal of the greatest of allah's creation our beloved messenger muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam so allahumma ajurni fi musibati wa akhlif li khayran min for whatever difficulty a person is going through and we should never become affected with the conditions that come upon us conditions will come and go wa tilka al-ayyam nudabiluha bayna an-nas when the sahaba radiyallahu anhum suffered some sort of defeat in the battle of uhud and they were extremely sad allah revealed verses that don't forget the battle of badr the previous battle we had granted you victory this is the system of allah today you win tomorrow you lose today you lose tomorrow you'll win the arabic proverb that goes as al-malu ghadin wa ra'ih wealth comes and goes today a man is rich tomorrow he's poor Today a man is poor, tomorrow he's rich. وَتُعِزُّ مَنْ تَشَاءُ وَتُذِلُّ مَنْ تَشَاءُ A man is honored today, disgraced tomorrow. Humiliated today, honored tomorrow. Conditions are in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The main objective of our life is to gain closeness with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to build our palaces in Jannah. This is not our ultimate goal. This is not our ultimate success. Repeatedly Allah reminds us in the Quran that don't get deceived with the glitter and glamour of this world. Nabi Ali Salam talked of a person who went through the most difficult conditions in this world. He lived a most miserable life, difficulty after difficulty, hardship after hardship. On the day of recompense, Nabi Ali Salam said he will be dipped in the gardens of Jannah. He will be dipped in the water of Jannah. And then the question will be posed to him: Hal marra bika bu'sun qat? Did you ever have to experience any difficulty in your life? And the reply will be in the very strong, very strongly he negates, Kalla wallah. I never had to encounter or experience any difficulty throughout my entire life. Allah forbid, Allah protect. A person who enjoyed the most luxurious, comfortable life in this world, when he will be dipped in the blazing hot fire of Jahannam on the day of Qiyamah, the similar question will be posed to him, Hal marra bika na'imun qat? Did you ever experience any joy and happiness in your life? And look at the reply of this person, Kalla wallah. I never experienced any joy throughout my entire life. Therefore our ultimate objective, our purpose of life is to prepare and build our gardens, our palaces, our homes in Jannah. Hafiz ibn Hajar rahimahullah, who was a great expert and a master in the science of hadith. And he has authored the most famous commentary of the authentic book Sahih al-Bukhari known as Fatih al-Bari. Allah blessed him with abundant wealth. So one day he was traveling and he was an expert in the science of hadith and together with him were his students, his disciples, his followers, his attendants and any request or need of his was fulfilled immediately. So as he's traveling he passes by a very poor, feeble, weak person 
who was trying to sell some food at the corner of the street. And this person was a disbeliever. And he sees Hafiz ibn Hajar rahimahullah traveling with a large group in a huge convoy. So he begins to wave in the direction of this Imam, catches his attention. Ibn Hajar rahimahullah realizes that he's calling him. So he takes a few steps in his direction and goes towards him. Hal haja? Is there any need can I do for you? So he says, yes, I have some work for you. Ibn Hajar rahimahullah tells him, by all means go ahead. And this disbeliever then poses the question to him. He says, I believe you are an expert and a master in the science of hadith. I have a question to ask you regarding a narration I have heard of your Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi Hafiz ibn Hajar rahimahullah tells him, please go ahead. So he says, I've read in a certain book that your Prophet has said that this world is my paradise and it's your prison. The famous authentic hadith, Ad-Dunya Sijnul Mu'min wa Jannatul Kafir. The world of this dunya is a prison for a believer and it's Jannah for the disbeliever. And this man then poses the question, look at my condition. Compare my condition to yours. You are living in the lap of comfort and luxury. Every need, request of yours is fulfilled. I'm struggling the entire day just to make a few make a few coins to buy some food for my family. How could this ever be my Jannah in your prison? Ibn Hajar rahimahullah tells him, I think you have misunderstood the narration of my beloved messenger. What was he really meaning? That on the day of Qiyamah, when I will enter my final abode, which is the gardens and the rivers of Jannah, and I will observe the bounties of Allah in Jannah, I will then be convinced that this world together with all its glitter, glamour, comforts, luxuries. This world compared to Jannah was nothing but like a prison. And when Allah forbid a disbeliever will enter his final abode, the blazing hot fire of Jahannam, and he will observe and see the, the punishment and the severe punishment of Allah therein, he will then realize that this world together with all the miseries, difficulties, challenges, compared to his abode of Jahannam was like Jannah. This person hears this answer and immediately declares a shahad and becomes a Muslim. That is why a person going through any difficulty should anticipate the reward. Allah has kept for him in store great rewards on the day of Qiyamah. To such an extent, one hadith of Rasulullah that the people on the day of Qiyamah, when they will witness and observe the great prizes given to all those who encountered, who endured any difficulty in this world. On that day of Qiyamah, they will wish and express their wish and desire. لو أن جلودنا قرضت بالمقاريد Ya Allah, why you never allow us to get stabbed in this world and get our skin pierced open to see the reward given to those people. That is why Rasulullah teaches us in ahadith. Whatever conditions come upon us, we should never ever have the audacity to question the divine decree of Allah. We should never question the wisdom and the logic of the decision of Allah. We should never ask Allah, why me, not Him? Allah's infinite knowledge and wisdom, we cannot comprehend. When we study the lives of our pious predecessors, they enjoyed a very high degree of rada bil qada, happy and content with whatever conditions came their way. That whatever conditions came upon them, they were pleased with that. Take the life of a very great Imam of Islam, who was a giant of this Ummah, a true genius, Urwa bin Az-Zubayr rahimahullah, the nephew of our mother Aisha radiallahu anha. He was a 
a master and expert in the science of hadith, Islamic jurisprudence. One day he was invited by the Khalifa of the time to pay him a visit. So he took his youngest son Muhammad bin Urwa and he then embarked on a very lengthy, very challenging, cumbersome journey. Unlike today where a person can travel across the world in, very, in a few hours. In those days the travels were extremely challenging, very very cumbersome, very tedious. So after this lengthy journey of so many days, when he reached his destination, he could experience or he could feel some pain in his knee. So he immediately went and he asked the surgeons who were there at that place and consulted with them. And they all had one unanimous opinion that his condition is very dire and his leg has to be amputated. If not, he will be risking his entire body. So Urwa bin Az-Zubi rahimahullah hears this and he agrees to the the advice given by the doctors and then a time was set for the procedure to be carried out. Prior to the operation being performed, they presented to him some alcoholic intoxicating drink which they would use in those days for a person who is going through any procedure to not experience the excruciating pain of the excision or the amputation. Urwa bin Az-Zubir politely declines and he says, but Allah will never consume anything haram. And like this he says, when you carry out the operation, wait for me to start my salah. When I commence with my prayer and I say, Allahu Akbar, then I'm so consumed, absorbed in my salah, I forget everything around me. Like this, he went to the musalla and he said, Allahu Akbar. The doctors came forward, the surgeon got his leg amputated. After his leg was amputated, boiling oil had to be taken and put at the joint of the knee to prevent the continuity of the bleeding. And when this hot oil was put onto his knee, he immediately falls unconscious. People had come from all different places around, from the nearby towns to pay their condolences. And after some time, he regains his consciousness. He wakes up from that state and everyone came around him. Urwa, we are very sad to see you in this condition. May Allah bless you and reward you. Look at the immediate reaction of this Imam. He raises his hands. He looks towards the sky. Allahumma innaka a'taytani arba'a. Oh Allah, you bless me with four limbs, two hands and two legs. Akhazta wahida wa abqayta thalatha. Oh Allah, you took away only one and kept behind three. Falaka alhamdu wal minna. Oh Allah, praise be to you. In the meantime, his youngest son Muhammad, who was trying to get the horse prepared and get the horse ready for the journey back home. And the horse then causes him to fall onto the ground and began to trample upon him until he breathed his last and he passed away. The news comes to him, O Urwa, we are very sad to disclose the news to you. Your youngest son Muhammad has also passed away. He raised his hands, he addressed his creator, Allahumma innaka a'taytani thamaniya. Oh Allah, you bless me with eight sons. Abqayta sab'a, you kept behind seven wa khadta wahida, and you only took away one. Like this he returns to his hometown Medina Munawwara. As he is about to enter Medina Munawwara, the people of Medina came to receive him. And they took along with him a man who was blind. And they asked, O Urwa, we would like you to listen to this man's personal experience. And this person who was blind begins to now narrate his own personal experience. He says that he lived in a certain village, in the lack of comfort, luxury. He enjoyed the best food, the best clothes until the divine decision of Allah had come for this entire village to be destroyed with a very destructive flood. And this flood had caused or claimed the life of my entire family, had destroyed all my belongings except for two things. My youngest 
son who was two or three years of age at that time and my camel which was my convenient. So he says I went into an uncontrollable panic. I immediately took my little child in my arms. I grabbed the reins of my camel. I tried to rescue my child and I left this village in this way. After some time, when I saw that I'm in a place of safety, I placed my child on the ground and I was busy getting the camel prepared, trying to put the saddle on the back of the camel, put the reins around it. And I hear my little child crying for help. When I look back, lo and behold, he's being attacked by a wolf. This is an authentic story reported by many historians. And as I go to rescue my child, Inna Lillah, he's already devoured and eaten up by this wolf. He says, I lost all my family now, only me and this camel. So I go back to my camel, and now I'm in frustration. And the camel could see my frustration. So it kicks me in both my eyes, and causes me to lose my eyesight, making me completely blind. Urwa Rahimullah asks him, what was your immediate reaction? And this man says, I immediately raised my hands. Allahumma, abqayta li qalban yashkuruk. Oh Allah, you kept my heart intact. That can engage in your shukr, can be grateful to you. Walisanan yashkuruk. Oh Allah, you kept my tongue intact. That can engage in your dhikr and take your name. Falaka alhamdu minna. Oh Allah, how can I ever be ungrateful to you? Look at the approach of these pious predecessors. And our approach, any difficulty comes our way. Someone asks, how's things going out there? What's our immediate, immediate response? Things are bad. You know how things go, as if we are only faced with negatives in our life. Allah forbid, Allah can convert all those positives that we are enjoying into negatives. Therefore, a believer is such, he doesn't become affected with conditions. He always turns to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We are all well aware of the suffering of the Ummah in Palestine and the brutality and the hostility they are facing from the enemy of Islam, that they have not even spared the lives of our women and our children. It's a time for us to all engage in istighfar. Beg and beseech Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant His special help and mercy to the Ummah and the Muslims of Palestine and wherever is suffering. Ask Allah Rabbul Izzah to give us good conditions. Beg and beseech Allah in sujood, in ruku. Let those tears come down our cheeks. Allah waits for us to turn toward Him. And dua is such, when a person engages in dua, Allah enjoys that time when his abd and his servant is raising his hand. And Allah wants to give it to us. We need to make a fervent dua. Ask Allah Rabbul Izzah to change the conditions throughout the world. May He protect us in our country and give them safety and security in their country.